0: kids they said it will be fun they said who the heck are they anyway as moms we sacrifice a lot for our families our time our health our wallets our identity friendships personal care and of course our beloved sleep motherhood is a crazy ride one that is not meant to be braved alone it takes a village right well your village is here I'm your host, Sabrina Greer, and every week I will be diving into the gray areas of motherhood with some very special guests. This is not the highlight reel, but the real deal. So reheat that cup of coffee, turn up the volume, and get ready for the reminder that you've got this, mama. Hello, and thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Sabrina Greer. Today we're talking about the concept that love is love. And family is not defined by blood. As you all know by now, hopefully you know by now, if you've been following the show, my eldest came as a ready-made. So he is not of me. He is not of my blood. However, I think there's so much power in that. Our relationship is one of choice. I choose him as my son and he's chosen me as his stepmama. We have some incredible guests on the show to talk about this very topic. So I'm super excited to welcome Hina and Dina. So Hina... Hi, Hi, glad to be here. Thank you. Uh, Hina Khan is a success coach and a registered psychotherapist. Her mission is to help people provoke meaningful and lasting change in their lives. Oh, it's so nice. She is often called on various TV and radio outlets as an expert in her field of mind, human behavior and and human potential. Awesome. Hina currently lives in Toronto with her husband and two boys and a stubborn Dachshund. Oh, yes, those doggies. How old's your dog?
1: Well, we're not quite sure. He also <laughs> we, uh, he was a foster, and we adopted him. But he came, I, we always say I think every year we say he's eleven, Aww, so he's really so probably cute. about thirteen
0: or fourteen now. Oh, so cute! I love Dasha's; they're so sweet. And then there's Dina. Hi, Dina. Hi, Sabrina. I, I'm going to get you to say your last name so I don't butcher it. Yeah, it's Otoni Batistessa. Yeah, I would have butchered that for sure. It's beautiful, though. Italian? Italian, yeah. yeah, We're both Italian. (laughs) Very very (laughs) Italian? (laughs) Very. Uh, Okay, Dina has always been interested in child development and education. After completing her degree in liberal, liberal arts and women's studies, Dina went on to complete a bachelor's degree in, in child studies and development. Although she loved her career working in the field, she needed to find a way to bridge her passion for being an entrepreneur with her advocacy and work in early learning and development. In 2014, Dina opened Academy Preschool, which she co-owns with her best friend and business partner. We're going to find out a little bit more about that yeah. later because it's such a cool concept. Um, She's also the mom behind the popular blog, Move, Play, Mom. And she's an upcoming co-author in our book, You've Got This Boss Mama. When she's not busy teaching being a mompreneur, writing, or being a mom to three busy boys. Yeah, because that's not busy enough. (laughs) You might just find her on site flipping and renovating homes with her hubby Ben. That's awesome. I want to hear more about the flipping homes too after the show because that's something I'm super interested in right Right. now. So welcome. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Absolutely. So yeah, today we're talking about all things basically child by choice. So Hannah I'm excited to hear about your story because I know that it is one of adoption am I right yes absolutely yeah and then Dina you're very similar your story is very similar to mine you have um, biological children living at home but also non-biological children that's correct? right actually
2: yeah or very child. similar so my oldest um, my stepson is uh, yeah it's now going to be 17 just turned 17 this week and then I've got two younger boys that are um, my bio boys but yeah
0: how old are your your biological so kids? So my
2: youngest is going to be seven in January. And then my um, middle guy is now 10 years old. <laughs>
0: Oh yeah, so very very similar to me, Uh, except yours are a little bit older. Seventeen! Oh my gosh, I'm gonna have to. uh, That's gonna be a different show, (laughs) exactly. So crazy! Oh man. And how old are yours, Hina? So mine,
1: uh, my eldest just turned eleven, and my youngest is
0: nine. Oh my goodness! And wait, all boys? We all have boys. We all have
1: boys. boys.
0: So together, what are we not? I'm three. Dina, you're three. And two. Dina, you're two. Oh my gosh. That's that's too many boys. <laughs> this is going to become a boy mom episode that you watch. That's what's going to happen here. <laughs> but no, I really do want to talk about this. I, it's, it's been something that's been on my radar since I started the show because I just, I feel like it's so powerful and You know, you guys may or may not know that we are doing intake right now for You've Got This Modern Mama. So, the people I'm interviewing for that book are, are, you know, in this wheelhouse. There's a lot of adoption. There's a lot of, we're just talking a lot about steering away from the nuclear family and what things look like these days because there's so many ways to be a mom. And it doesn't mean that your child has to be of your flesh and blood. And I really love that society is steering away from that. You know, how like same sex rights, you can adopt children. There's all this amazing stuff going on. And, you know, it's, it's shown in the literature too. I've noticed, um, my, my middle guy, he's, he's four years old. So he just started JK and he comes home with these books and it's like, you know, mummies holding hands and, you know, two mummies and two daddies and all of these amazing things. So I just love it because I always tell my eldest, you know, you're very lucky that you have two moms that love you and two dads that love you and two sisters. That's his half sisters on the, or his stepsisters on the other side. And then he's got two brothers that are younger and that he lives with here. So it's just so amazing to have so much love surrounding these little people so I wanted to ask you guys um, you know first of all I want to hear your a bit about your story so that the listener can better connect with you so Hannah I'd love to hear your story you know sort of the Cole's notes obviously we only have an hour today and I know that could be like a whole book in itself um, but yeah I just love to sort of hear your your background and your story absolutely so um,
1: we always knew my husband and I always knew that we wanted to adopt it was just something that was a a calling within us. It, it, and so what happened was, we did our my oldest is um, biological. And we started the adoption process. And we were looking international, because I think I had a thought that it was difficult to adopt locally. I don't know where I had gotten that thought. <laughs> but it stayed with me enough to look international, but it wasn't working out. And so we just came to a point where I was like, look, if this doesn't happen, we're all going to be in diapers. Like we're getting older and maybe we just have one child and that's fine. And we're very blessed and that's it. But it just wouldn't quite leave me mm. this desire to adopt. So we went to what's called in Ontario, the ARE, which is the Adoption Research uh, Adoption Resource Exchange. And they have um, just the pictures and information of children that are available for adoption in Ontario with all the Children Aid Society. And I just remember um, looking through a binder and then we saw him. And as soon as I saw him, I looked to my husband and I said, that's him. That's our son. Wow. And he was in, in the picture. He was two and a half. And I didn't know, like I wasn't thinking, oh, we're looking for a certain age range. But as soon as we saw him, I mm-hmm. knew that he was born. For me, like, I just knew it, and then we went through the process of, um, you know, expressing our interest, but without getting into all of the details, by all accounts and purposes, like, we should not have, um, been a candidate for what they were looking for but I just somehow somehow by the grace of God we slipped through the cracks and I just knew he was ours and you know you also have an advocate we had a great ab- advocate for us as well but those months of waiting were really hard and I remember I I should share this story that I would walk with my then 4-year-old and I would and then I would I, I would um put my other arm, my other hand outstretched, and just imagine what's it gonna be like, what would it be like to walk with two children? Hmm. What would it be like to walk with two boys? And I would carry his picture while we were waiting to find out in my wallet with me. Um, I just thought I'm going all in. Like I I didn't understand when people are like, don't get excited because you just don't know. I was like, well, I'm going to be devastated (laughs) if it doesn't happen, so I'm just going to go all in. And then um, we found out, uh, so that was in April, so in September was when we had found out that – that we were approved and that he was ours. And then we met the foster family, who I think are just the most incredible people. And we have a very close relationship with his foster family.
0: Oh, that's we see nice. them
1: about once a month, if not more. Um, they come to our events, we go to theirs. Uh, we have a relationship with his birth mom. We see her once in a while at certain events. And for me, it's just there's just more people to love him.
0: Exactly. Yeah, I love that. It's so powerful. I th- it's such a beautiful story because it, it feels like you get the goosebumps. It's like you manifested that child. You know, he's he's made for you, even though he's not made of you. He's made for you. Right. It's this really powerful thing around just love and willing more love. <laughs>
1: It's so true. I mean, I always say, like, I cannot imagine a child that would be more mine that I birthed. Like, I just, I can't, I can't even imagine it. Like, he's so, it's hard to explain, but he's, well, you guys probably get it. But um, I don't know, I feel like when I, I feel like it, it was, it was something, it was a, it was a plan that just got acted out but this plan was in place a long long time ago that he was born for us and i also feel like even the way that he came came coming you know when he was a toddler but then we got to have this beautiful relationship with his foster family which is
0: it was so better cool, than I expected. Yeah. yeah, and it's very unique. So, I mean, everyone by this point has heard my story from either reading the book or hearing me blab about it on on here. So, I won't get too deep into it. But my parents were foster parents, so they did bridge the gap a couple times, and they adopted three kids all with special needs, all of whom are still in my life. Um, you know, my sister still lives at home because of her need level, um, and she's in her 30s. Um, But yeah, my, my parents, I had over 35 siblings growing up from the age of four until I moved out. And it taught me such a valuable lesson that like, it's true. Love is love. You don't need to be related by blood to these people to, to love them and really love them. Like take them as your own, take them as part of your family. Right. We always called my aunt, See, I say it again. My mom's best friend was my aunt. Like we didn't separate those titles and, you know, think of it otherwise. We were just all very close and it was the village and we all cared for each other and helped one another and supported one another. And to me, that's family. Right. You you can choose your family too. Yeah. And I've heard of people, you know, estranged families that are blood and, you know, they don't talk to each other and there is, you mm-hmm. know, negativity and, and disconnect. And, you know, it's, you can choose who you love and who you spend your time with. And I think it's such a powerful thing, yeah. um, especially in our case, Dina, with, with stepchildren too, right? It's, there's, there's, a, there's a couple of levels to that. And I know sometimes like I'm a member of a bunch of Facebook groups and parenting groups that are for step parents. And, you know, you do see quite a bit of negativity there because it is hard. It's challenging when you have somebody else in the picture trying to, to also parent, to co-parent, right. When there's different rules and different theories around what is okay and, you know, what's allowed. And so it's just a, it's a bit of a challenge because you have to share that space and you have to do it with grace and, you know, flexibility and try to be respectful of everyone's emotions. Right.
2: Yeah. And I think our, our, our stories are similar, but then there are some differences in the sense where, Dominic's mom isn't, um, really active in his life. So, um, often people will say you're his step-parent. How, what's your role in that? And really I'm his mom. Like yeah. I've been his mom from the beginning. And so people sometimes will challenge that and say, well, you're not his mom or we'll be on like, Oh no, she means like, you know, but I am, I'm his mom. I actually wrote a whole blog post on it. on move Play mom on mother's day because I feel like, um, it doesn't have to have a, like a certain definition. It doesn't mean because you you brought this child into this world that that's the only way that you become that person's parent. And, and so, yeah. 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 yeah.
0: No, I feel Sorry. the same way. Oliver's mom is, is in his life, um, but she lives in a different country. So it's not, you know, every other weekend or, you right. know, the scenario you hear with a lot of, of step children. Um, he does often go visit for a couple of months a year, like maybe it's a month in the summer and a couple of weeks for March break and then Christmas time and, you know, his holiday time, but he lives with us for full time yeah. during the school year. And he goes to school here and, you know, I, I do feel like I'm his mom mm-hmm. and, Being in a different country, there's another word for mom where she lives. So it's kind of cool because, you know, I'm his mom and she's his mamai, which is really fun. I, I love that because it's, you know, we both have this role and it's not competing with one another. It's all about, you know, this is you get to be this person and I get to be this person. And at the end of the day, it's just more love yeah. and that's all it is. And yeah, I'm, I have to deal with the principal and packing lunches every day and, <clears throat> you know, the hurt feelings because a girl cr- trampled on his heart, which is what's oh. happening now. <laughs> well, 12 years old. Oh. Help me, Lord. <laughs> um, but you know, all, all of the stuff and things, the daily grind of motherhood i feel it and i feel it heavy a lot of the time um you know, and then he gets to go on beautiful vacations and spend his, his fun time with her. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm not resentful of that. I think it's, it's perfect. And it's beautiful because his memories that he makes with his biological mother are positive. And, you know, it's, it's not a case of good cop, bad cop where, you know, I get to be the neggy one all the time, because I do think, you know, the day-to-day stuff is really important in their development and, and how they grow and to be, you know, men in our case, but it's, you know, it's nice to not have that resentment and the competition. We just get to do life together. And, you know, it it could be really negative, but I've chosen to accept this woman, not only as his birth mom, but as a friend, like we, we chat now and it's, it's, you know, people go, how do you do that? That's so weird. And I, because I've chosen love over anything else. Yeah. That's all. It's it a choice. It took a long, long yeah. time to get
2: there in our case. Um, yeah. You know, when, when Dominic was three, that's when Ben and I met. And um, when I moved in, we got engaged. Uh, the first time that she came to pick him up where I was home alone with him, he had spent his week with dad. And she came up to the door and she opened the door and she said, you know, I want to chat with you. I want to have a chat with you before, you know, Dominic comes down, but I need you to understand that you will never be his mom. I'm always going to be his mom. That's not your job. That's not your title. And I was like, no, I completely, you know, and being 25 and really young and you know, you're just, you're standing there you're nervous. You just want to make this relationship work and you want to be, I was, I was in the position where I wanted to just make her happy and I wanted her to trust me and trust her child with me and in, in my care. And, um, you know, so Dominic came down the stairs and she said, well, did you hear that, Dom? I'm your mom and this is always going to be Dina. And so he left and I closed the door and I just broke down and was crying. And, and, and you know, I knew that we would end up having that conversation. I didn't think it would be right away. Um, and, I, and defining what that role was for me was a bit of a challenge at the beginning. Um, but the next week Dominic mm-hmm. showed up and... He looked, at, he looked at me in bed when he walked in the door and he was like, hey, dad. And he goes, hey, Princess Dina. That's who I'm going to call you now. <laughs> and I just looked at Ben that's and I, like, I just cried. Like that day is just etched in my mind forever because, you know, for him, there's so little. They take everything they're here in and he found a way to spin it and make it positive. I'm sure him and his mom had a conversation about it after they left and he wanted to have something special because he knew, yeah, okay, it's not my mom it's not just my Dina you know and so he doesn't call me princess Dina anymore but sometimes I tell him that you know I'm a princess yeah
0: <laughs> that'd be kind of hilarious yeah. if you did he's yeah. <laughs> oh, 17 yeah. now <laughs> yeah <laughs> so cute no and I think there's something to be said for for all of that right the building of relationships early on while they're young, there's not that sort of pushback where they come at you and go, well, you're not my mom. I don't have to do that. And I don't have to do this. And, you know, I see that so much in these Facebook mm-hmm. groups that I'm a member of that that pushback and I'm just, I'm very grateful. I don't have that. Um, but yeah, for the moms dealing with that, it's, yeah. it's a struggle. I, mm-hmm. I can tell it's crazy, crazy stuff. <laughs> so Hannah, I want to ask you, um, What is the process like? And I I know personally, but can we tell the listeners what the adoption process looks like? If somebody was (laughs) feeling the same way you were like that pull and that calling to adopt a child, um, how where do you start? Yeah, it, As you were asking me that question, I was thinking about how
1: people say nobody really tells you about the birthing process or about labor and all of these, all of these things that you don't find out till you go through it. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel the same way about the adoption process. I think it's, um, how do you explain it? It's definitely an emotional roller coaster. And I don't think that, I think that's what I was not prepared for. There's so much unknown. There's so much uncertainty in the process. And of course, there's so many different ways that you can um, create a family through adoption. It can be international, it can be local, it can be private. So there's so many different ways that you can go through it. But there are steps that I think you've got to go through no matter which. Process or vehicle you use, which are things like a home study, and that can feel really intrusive. You get asked a lot of really deep personal questions. You have to provide references, police checks, um, you know, federal police checks, RCMP. So that's a process that you have to go through. And then there's, there can, it can feel like there's a lot of false starts as well. Mm-hmm. And then the process is different as far as length of time as well. Um, meaning that when we saw our son, we saw his picture in April and we found out that he was ours in September. Now our our son is also dual heritage, so he is First Nations, mm-hmm. um, and he's also Caribbean. So we not only had to go through Children's Aid, but we had to go through the band as well. Yeah, and let them know. So, so I think each process can be unique, but I would say the process can it's it's an emotional roller coaster for sure. Absolutely.
0: So, if there's one thing you could tell our listeners that are are in that boat right now that you wish somebody had told you what would that be
1: well one is that it can be it can be better than you expected like it may not it may not show up in the exact way that you thought it was going to but it can actually be better that's what happened for us like we were on this whole different journey in the beginning of international and completely different. And then we ended up adopting locally. And now we have, I feel like our family grew because we have the foster family as well as a part of our family. And I didn't expect that. And then I would just say that if the, if the feeling is within you, it's there for a reason. Mm-hmm. And that there are times where it gets really difficult, but if you really feel call to do it, then what I had made the decision to do was just, I'm going to just not leave any rock unturned so that if this doesn't work out, I know that I did everything that I knew
0: how to do with the information I had. Yeah. No, I I love that because I often say, you know, just sort of trust the process. Like it's not going to look the way you think it's going to look nothing is. And that goes the same for birth plans and, you know, pregnancies and when you're going to have kids, when like you can never, it's all unpredictable. You can never just plan it out verbatim how it's going to be. So it's sort of just stepping back, surrendering, which doesn't mean like laying down and forgetting about it. It just means like enjoying the journey and trusting Mm -hmm. the process for what it is, right? And I would say absolutely, and I would say that if you're going through this process and you're in a
1: relationship, if it's like, so for me, it was myself and my husband, um, you've really got to be communicating about it as well throughout it, throughout the highs and
0: lows of it as well. That's important too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. (laughs) So Dina, to go off topic a little bit, just because I'm so interested in what you do and I think it's really important to to fill people in on Academy and what it is and how they yeah. can get involved and all of what you're up to, because it's very interesting. Um, I just love, you know, the Cole's notes of, of what is Academy, and I know you just went on a trip recently and I just love to hear yeah, a little briefing of all of it.
2: Sure. So, Academy Preschool is a preschool for children aged three to six in Calgary. Um, about five years ago, I was working for a large nonprofit here, um, and my kids were in other childcare programs in the city. And I came home one day and I said to my husband, "I'm really tired of providing this amazing childcare to all these." other amazing little people, but I'm really concerned about our own children. And I'd love to spend more time with them and be in their lives and be active. Um, because I was, you know, I was in director of operations at that time. And so we had 150 staff in our organization and I was working late nights and doing workshops and parent workshops. And so I came home and I said, I really want to open my own program. And, um, so we did. I'm going to leave the story for the for the book because I don't want to get too much yeah. into that. But uh, my best friend and I I, I, I called her up and I said, listen, we were working together at the organization. And I said, have this proposal on the table. I'm going to send you a business plan. I literally wrote it in 24 hours. And mm-hmm. you just got to trust me. And next day, she called me back and she was like, we're doing this. We're going to we're gonna open up our own program. So five years later, I can't believe we're already in year five. Um, Crazy. Kidney is doing amazing. We have 96 kids in our program. Um, it's a Reggio inspired program. And so what that is, is our philosophy is really based on, um, the belief that children are capable and competent and that we should follow their lead, um, and their interest on their learning. And we're there to be their co-researchers or co-dreamers and just scaffold their learning that way. So this was year five and, uh, Tristan Katz, my business partner, um, And I had said, you know, year five, when we're going to go to Reggio Emilia, and we're actually go and see how this whole approach unfolds. And so we were asked um, to join a study group this year, and we just got back last week from um, a study group with over 300 delegates from all over the world, um, and participated in a week long conference in Reggio Emilia. So it was so inspiring, so amazing. We just got back, and we're just there's so much information in our minds and so much we want to share with our staff Our staff keep telling us like, when are you going to share with us? And we're still trying to, you know, decipher everything and figure out, well, how much of this works here. And, you know, we were Reggio inspired and now we're like, how can we be full blown Reggio? So yeah, it's, um, yeah, it was an amazing experience. Um, and then so much of just their belief of, you know, the rights of the child and, you know, what children are citizens of our community and that, you know kindergarten doesn't like that's not when did we define that at six years old that's when school starts right like from birth children should be given that opportunity and parents should be given the opportunity so a lot of advocacy work around that's you know sort of my my role now coming back is what I want to really work toward. So another thing about Academy was that um, Tristan and I were both working for a nonprofit prior to opening up our own business so we came with this background of wanting to always give back to community that was really important to us so um, right from the beginning we said we would offer free workshops to parents Um, and not just parents of academy but parents of the community the community association within the area that we're located and this year we've extended it out to all Calgary families so we provide monthly workshops for parents. We've done workshops on picky eating, um, infant and toddler sleep, um, uh, things for for even older children. We've done an uh, anti-bullying workshop. We had one of the Stampeders come out, Randy Chevrier, and he did um, a talk for some of the older siblings uh, that attend the local schools just in and around Academy. So that was one way for us to give back. And this year we've actually taken them live. So even if you are not um, a Calgary family, you can still go on to the Academy Instagram account or the Academy Facebook page, and they're live there. So it's fantastic because you get this great information for free. Yeah.
0: so cool that's awesome we'll definitely put all of that into the show notes so people can access all of that which is amazing um yeah it's a great program i love following you on instagram mostly for your design stuff too but i love all your design bits so great um amazing so hannah i want to ask you a little bit about what you do too because um Mm -hmm. you know being a coach and a registered psychotherapist it's all very interesting to me it's right up my alley um as well yeah it's cool we're we're like the combination the three of us because i have a i have a background in early childhood education and psychology which is exactly right in the middle so so fun.
1: Yeah, so I am a registered psychotherapist and a success coach. And it really comes down to working with people on mindset. You know, 96 to 98% of our results really come from the subconscious mind. So what I like to do is help people get out of their own way and getting out of their own way is really having to do with those negative and limiting beliefs. Really, it's habitual thinking rooted in false concepts. It's not even true, but they've never really challenged them. And it stops us from doing things that we want to do, or listening to that intuition, or starting that business. I loved Dina's story, because um, those are the types of people that I work with. I look, I work with a lot of um, entrepreneurs and business women, and I work with teams as well within organizations. But it really comes down to the psychology of performance mm-hmm. and the psychology of what it takes when to keep going when things are not going well when we hit those frustrations when those points come up you know I always say Mm -hmm. new levels new devils as we grow it doesn't mean that things get easier if we grow in our business like Dina you've been in business for five years now and you will have had way more challenges because you're growing and doing more yeah and so it's kind of like looking you know do we see things when we see those challenges do we look for the solutions do look for the opportunities when problems come up and um and so that's really what it is and just helping people step into their greatness and then another part of it that's very important to me is especially for female entrepreneurs moms that have businesses as well is the whole mom guilt thing Mm. i recently Mm -hmm. did a blog Mm -hmm. on this and You know, I was it was I was working with a team in Ecuador and when I was the night before I was leaving my little one had said, Could you not pack until I go to sleep? Because it makes me sad when you have to go away. And of course you're like, Oh you know, that gets you. But And a friend of mine said, oh, my gosh, you must feel horrible. And I really don't because, you know, I really do love what I do and I've made the choice. So if I'm going to go, I'm not going to go and feel bad. I'm going to go and really have a great experience and serve my clients that are there. And then when I'm home, I really want to be present with my children. So what I realize when it comes to this, it's really more about being present wherever Mm -hmm. I am as opposed to trying to find a balance per se. And that made a really big difference for me. So I love working with my clients on that and giving them permission to desire more and want more, whatever that looks like for them.
0: That's amazing. I love that. (laughs) So good. Yeah, and it's it's so, I mean, I love this whole mompreneur phenomenon that we're living in now, but it's so... True. The mom guilt is everywhere, right? We all experience it every day, like multiple times a day. I know today, so I'm in the midst of finishing final, final edits in our second book and you've got this mama too. So most of the day was me, you know, glued to a computer, like typing and doing things. And I felt so bad because my little guy's two and he's home with me but luckily he cooperated with naps and it gave me a little bit of time but yeah you do feel that guilt where it's like you're not 100 percent present in all facets of your life at all times wow. so it's finding that that balance of in between and you know juggling and you know the juggle is real right well and I also <laughs> it's
1: one thing that always really stayed with me was I um I went to a talk that Dr. Gabor Mate gave. He's a Canadian mm-hmm. psychiatrist out of Vancouver. And he said, the best gift you can give your children is your own happiness. Oh, that's Isn't good. That's so good. And it really um, is influential in my decisions that I make as well. Um, because I don't know, you know, and maybe for some of your listeners, if they've mm-hmm. if they had a childhood with unhappy parents or parents that really mm-hmm. resented what they were doing or wanted to be doing something else, that um, creates a certain atmosphere that can be very that can be very challenging and difficult. So I think there is something mm-hmm. to also take responsibility for your own happiness
0: as well. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Okay. So we've gotten a little bit off topic here, but that's okay because that's what the show (laughs) is all about. And, you know, it's motherhood. It's all of these things, right? It's, it's what we're all dealing with every day. And I love that, you know, when the conversation is just super natural, but I do want to sort of curve back into the topic for a minute before we get to the fun questions. Um, so Hannah, I wanted to ask you specifically, you said something earlier that really stood out to me, and that was being family, you, you use the word family with the foster family that had your son before you. And I'll just say the reason I find this so interesting is because in all of my years dealing with the children's aid and, you know, foster families and adoptive families and birth families and all of these things, biological families, it was very common more times than not that when somebody, when a child was adopted, that the foster family or the adoptive family decided against us having communication with the child. And it was to my understanding that this was the m- most common thing going on. So, for example, we had a child live with us for 11 years and was adopted and we never heard from him again. And, you know, it's, it's a little bit devastating. And now with, I feel like with social media and all of the technology, it's a lot easier to get in touch with people and, and they have more of a choice now, but um, yeah, I, I definitely find that interesting. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about that relationship Yeah,
1: you know sabrina for me it never even entered my mind that we would not have a relationship with them uh betty and luke the foster family they have fostered over a hundred children i say we say that there's regular folk and then there's betty and luke and sometimes my youngest will be like i want to go back and be with betty and luke and i'm like i don't blame you I want to be with Betty and Luke, too, um, because they're just exceptional people. And they were mom and dad to our son for three years. When we when we actually we actually met him for the first time was just a few days before his third birthday. So I, I could not imagine, even for his mental health, to be honest, if anything, for our son to cut off that and not have any contact. Like he, he, especially at that young age, would not be able to process it or understand what happened. And these, and they were, they're such incredible people. And it wasn't only Betty and Luke, like in your family, Sabrina, growing up, it was, you know, Betty's son. Of course they're older, but they had a big part. They, you know, her own grandchildren would come over and they got very attached to all of the kids that came through that home. So for me, it was a no brainer. And and I agree. Like I I remember when we first did the transition, we were doing sleepovers. I um, sent her a picture and I would give her updates, but I didn't, I wasn't, it was just natural. Like this is what you would do because I was thinking she must be wondering how it's going and what does it take for me mm-hmm. to send a picture? And then when he would go to bed, he would, um, I, I, got a picture I asked Betty and Luke for them to give me a picture of them and um he would sleep with it the first few the Aww. first well the first couple months and then I said to her um and when I told this to her she said oh she gave me a picture that was laminated so it wouldn't kind of crumple up of the family and it was great it was so it was so great I, for him I it was really it was really great for him because he didn't have an attachment that was all of a sudden cut off that he had to try to make sense of. So also in our family, um, they, my sons call me Amma and they call my husband Papi. So I had no issue of him calling Betty and Luke mom and dad as long as he needed to. And it just slowly dropped off naturally. And then he called them Betty and Luke. But that was up to him. It was his decision. If he never wanted to do that, it wouldn't bother me. I was never in competition with Betty. And uh, we even have a picture of myself, Betty, and um, his birth mom. And I thought that's so special for him. And I wanted him to see that this was all good. Like there was so much love. Like there was, you know, nobody, you know, for him to love me didn't take away from him loving Betty either. That he didn't have to try to compartmentalize his his love for you know, the people that were very important to him in his life. But then I realized, as you said, that this is actually not the norm. Uh, <laughs> and because we've known them now for so many years, for six years, we've seen other families that have adopted um, the children and live in the same city and have Cut it off completely. And I see the devastation that that is, the grief that that is for Betty and Luke. It is so hard on them. And if there's one message I have for anybody that's considering adopting, is really if you can, I mean, there are, you know, different circumstances and where you live may be different, but. I don't know. I feel like you've got to honor that relationship. And to me, the foster family, like Betty and Luke, they're on sacred ground. Like nobody, nobody like not that anybody would ever say anything negative about Betty and Luke, but you just you can't like you just can't with those people. (laughs) And they hold a special place um, in our family. And it's beautiful because they treat my bio son as they love him so much. Like it, it's just, it's a hard relationship to explain, but here's this woman that for the first three years, cause she had, she had my son since he was two days old.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah. So I just, I'm a big, that's how it often was yeah. with, with my mom too. And it's, it's devastating. Like you said at best, this, a grieving process, yeah. it's like losing a child over and over and over again when they go. And of course all you all you want is what's best for them, but to just have them drop off the face of the earth. I just, I know my mom hurt a lot when, when that happened so many times, but yeah, it's, it's crazy because that kind of brings us full circle, right? It's talking about these children have a choice and the choice is to love people you know and we love them in return why are labels so important why is blood so important why are all these things so important at the end of the day it's like if you love them and care for them and want what's best for them like who cares about all the other stuff right all the titles and competition and it's just it's about love and and that's what it needs to stay about yeah, right
1: absolutely absolutely and and there's so and you know it's not like th- we live in abundance so it's not going to take away um you know for for your children for your stepchildren to love you doesn't take away from their love for their birth you know
0: mothers exactly yeah it's not like you. What did I say? It was like a candle being lit at the flame. It doesn't you don't have to blow out one flame to light another flame. You know, you can light the flame off of each other and then fire grows. Right. It's like this. We don't run out of love. It's not like we have a, a limited amount that we can only give so much to this person. And then we we lose a little bit of that to shave off to give to the next person like our heart opens and we can love more. So why not surround these beautiful little children with all the love that they can possibly get instead of competing for it. Right.
2: I love that. And I, just to comment on Henna's story, I just, I agree. Children need and want love and that secure attachment, that first attachment is so important. And I couldn't imagine just Cutting that off, we always tell parents when they're starting at our program, do that transition period is so important because they're going to make a new attachment, but that first initial attachment is is so important. So, just hearing your story and how you guys you know honor that is is so amazing, and I'm so in awe of you. Yeah,
0: yeah, so beautiful. All right, ladies, so that's very powerful stuff. And I am so grateful that you came on the show to talk about such personal things. It really, we're finding more and more that this is what everyone craves, right? It's real connection. It's the truth. It's the stuff that's not so Instagram worthy and picture perfect. It's, you know, the raw stuff as we call it on this podcast. It's, it's the real deal. It's the gray areas. So it, it takes a lot to speak about these truths, but you're helping a lot of people by doing so. So thank you so much for doing that. Now we get into the fun stuff. Um, Let me ask you the first question. So we'll go in in order. So Hina, you can go first and then Dina, you can go. And these are fun questions that we ask every show, just to sort of pull out some really awesome resources for our moms that maybe don't resonate with the topic that we were talking about today. They can at least get some really cool things from you as, you know, fellow moms. So um, what is your morning routine? Well, my morning
1: routine is something that I've cultivated now. And it's really important to me um, because I think that there's so much that you can't control in the day, but you can usually control your mornings. Now, this depends how old your kids are. So keep in mind, mine are
0: nine and 11. So, <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah. Wait a so second. That's, <laughs> that's why I now
1: love my morning routine because I can have one. Um, so for me, yeah. I get up at 5.15 And I do some study, which for me is whatever I'm studying in my personal or professional development that can mean listening to something or, oh, but first it's coffee. Who's kidding who? (laughs) It is coffee and then some study. I write out my goals. I write out affirmations as well. And I really just focus on me for that first hour. And then I may go to the gym and I try not to be on my device. Um, Until really eight or nine o'clock, depending. And I may be helping in the morning to get the kids off to school. Or if my husband's home, he'll do he'll do that if I go to the gym, depending on our schedules.
0: Awesome. I love that. I I think that's a very common one on this show for, you know, it's kind of split. It's like, people with younger kids, it's like, ah, it's chaos and people with you know, kids that are your school age and a little bit older. It's it's taking that time and really taking your power back and making that time about you. And I think that's so important. I followed something called the Miracle Morning oh, for years and it's it's essentially what you're yeah. saying it's exercise it's some sort of either prayer or gratitude or study or personal development you know involving all of those elements into your morning affirmations visualization there's all different elef- ele- elephants <laughs> wow <laughs> all different elephants all different elements um that you just mentioned so i think it's a really really great one to follow. But yeah, just taking that time for yourself is so important when you can. My kids were on like a six day streak in a row of my kids sleeping past five 30 in the morning, which is amazing because usually it was like four. Oh gosh. So I'm, I'm hoping to take my, my mornings back very, very soon. <laughs> How about you, Dina? What's your morning like?
2: So my morning sounds very similar to henna's actually. I'm up at 5.30 a.m. every day. Um, I started doing that a couple years ago after I read The Happiness Project mm-hmm. by Gretchen Rubin. I just felt really inspired. The same thing about taking some of that time back and being really present when my kids are awake. And my kids are older, so same thing. They're probably not up to like on the weekend, still like 10 if they don't have hockey. But during the week on a school day, they don't get up till about 7.30. So that gives me a good window of time to, I get up, I'll do like a 10 minute meditation, just reflect on my day, Um, set some goals for the day and then that also gives me some time to work on my blog so um, just because once the kids are up I want to be there for them and I want to help out in the mornings and I'm out the door by 8 o'clock to head over to academy. so yeah very similar
0: and it's funny that it's similar because it I find with all entrepreneurs that are also moms, it's, it's always, you know, mornings or after bedtimes. Like if you're a, a night owl, then some people choose after bedtime to work like we're doing right now <laughs> yeah. or, you know, but mornings are a great habit to get into. I am a, a big fan of the early morning too. Um, If time, money, scheduling, kids were not an issue, what is an item at the top of your bucket list that you would like to check off? Now, this can involve kids. It's not saying, like, you all of a sudden have no kids. If if it's something you want to do with your kids, that's great, but don't feel obligated. No mom guilt here. It can be whatever you want. Okay, so if it's really – if
1: we're going to keep it real, which I know you want us to, (laughs) I really – And I mean, the kids can come to this. It doesn't matter to me because I would be in my own suite. I want to go in the first class cabin of Singapore Airlines. (laughs) I don't know if you've ever seen it, but I love travel. And um, I love beautiful hotels and, um, and airlines. And that's something that I want to do is go, because they've got like these cabins in the first class. Um, it's like above like first class. I don't know. It's the suites. It's called a suite for goodness sakes. And I just think <laughs> it's so incredible. So the kids can come, they can be in their own suite.
0: But that's something I'd love Amazing. to do to experience that. Awesome so fun how yeah. about you Dina for me honestly I think
2: we already live a very minimalist lifestyle and I would love to just be able to pick up and live a nomadic lifestyle like I'd love to be able to travel and take my kids to see the whole world mm-hmm. and be able to write my blog and just live a life where we are constantly on the move and seeing a different place all the time that's that would be ideal
0: <laughs> but, awesome yeah so fun love it i am a big traveler too so both of those sit well with me <laughs> let's let's go <laughs> what are we waiting for um one parenting hack that you cannot live without so this can be a product a rule an idea like literally anything that sort of up leveled your parenting game you
1: know i think for me sabrina it's really what dr gabor mate had said um that the greatest gift we can give our children is our own happiness I think that just opened up the the doors for me, it kind of gave me, or I felt, you know, like, oh, I have permission to really go for what I want, because I love my children. I love them. I love my husband. I I love, but I have my own goals. I have my own dreams. There are things that I want to fulfill and do that are really important to me. And what I love is that, you know, Mm -hmm. because my kids are older, we share our goals. Like I share my goals with them too. They know what my goals are and I know what theirs are. And hopefully we have a, family that we all support each other but that that w- that would really be it that was a game changer for me
0: yeah that's such great advice and it's so so true how about you dina
2: well, mine is not necessarily a hack but I often get asked how, or like parents like, how do you do all that stuff in a day? Like you're writing a blog, you go to work, you come home, you're taking your kids you to hockey. Um, like how does your, and my house is, I mean, we have a pretty minimalist lifestyle, like I said, so I don't have a lot of stuff in our house. So our house seems clean all the time, but my boys are a big participant in that. Like we make sure and we've made sure for when they were little, I believe kids are capable and competent. Um, so right from the beginning, uh, We've always included them in participating in things in the, around the house, like cleaning, doing their chores. And so my boys, all three of them, do their own laundry. They fold it and put it away. Um, my two older boys will like clear the dishes and do the dishes every night. And there is no guilt in that because I feel like if I'm gonna be the leader in my home, well, a good leader delegates well. So <laughs> we've delegated these tasks off to the boys and they're learning so much and it's just helped us manage our household together and they're learning all these skills. So it's definitely, one thing I you know often will share with moms and dads who are asking for some advice when they're feeling overwhelmed.
0: And for somebody who, say, has a twelve year old who doesn't <laughs> do all that stuff and <laughs> wanted to start, is there an easy an easy way to implement those kind of structures and things to get them started? Yeah, I mean Like, do you use any sort of rewards? We don't use rewards because
2: we, with them, like with my boys, we've sat down and we've had the conversation. Like, you guys are a part of this house. You know, you guys are going to learn these skills and it's important. It's a lifelong skill. Um, So no, there's no rewards, but we do, you know, we set goals and part of those, the goals are getting those things done. So we'll talk about the goals that they have. Like Anthony has set three goals this year for himself. And one of them was to, okay, I'm going to take on my laundry. I'm going to make sure I get it done because if I don't get it done well natural consequences you have dirty underwears buddy like it's not my problem so he, you know we just step by step we just I brought him downstairs we I showed him how to do it and then you know showed him how to fold everything and put it away and then his older brother was responsible for helping him afterwards so it's sort of passing that knowledge down and then he showed his younger brother how to do it so um, I don't know, I mean, to get him started, it's just, I think having that conversation with him and just saying, "Now oh, they like that independence, um, piece too, like, especially my 10 tenure, like he craves that. And so part of me says, well, if you want me, if you want to show me and you want to be independent, well, part of that is doing these skills and then you can, you know, you earn the, the respect and that responsibility to go out there and be, be a kid who can ride his bike to school and all the pieces that come with that. Right. So yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, it's great. I love it. Um, Okay. Last question. One self-care ritual or practice that you would highly recommend other mamas try. So something that's a bit of a game changer for you in the self-care realm. Okay. I have
1: to think about this one
0: for a moment. Um, I I feel... And it, it doesn't have to be anything super crazy. One of one of our guests on the show, she said something really impactful and it was more, it was like self-care is more of just a, a lifestyle for me than it is 100%. a thing. And I thought that was so powerful yeah. because it's so true, right? Like it, it, yeah, of course we can take a walk or have a bath or do these things, but it really, I think it needs to be something that becomes ingrained in our everyday, like like you guys said taking time to meditate or you know quiet time in the morning to study or read or have personal development time or exercise time like i think it all boils down to that really when we talk about self-care right it's just doing the things that excite you and light you 100%. up personally um without involving your your yeah. little humans yeah
1: i mean i think it, it- For me, it really comes back to that exactly. That self-care is about honoring your own desires and what you would like to do as well. Absolutely. And not dismissing it not pushing it down, and we give it a lot of excuses. Like, oh, when the kids are older, then I'll do it. Or when this happens, when that happens, when, oh, it's now it's Christmas, I can't. There's no way, we've gotta wait. And then it's, you know, there's always something. Um, and then a lifetime goes by. So
0: I think, yeah, I actually just wrote about this, like the whole always, always chasing something, right? Like if I'll, I'll be happy when, and if I can do this, I'll be happy. And like constantly, you know, I'll start on Monday, I'll start a new diet and I'll start a new fitness routine next month. And I'll do this when, and it's always Mm -hmm. just chasing something. Right. And, you know, you just got to start now. You do.
1: Sometimes a client will say to me when we talk about what they really want, and they'll say, "Well, I want to be happy," and I and I'll tell them, "Happiness is a state; it's not a goal. I want you to be happy right now. Um, Whether you have, it's not that that thing is going to make you happy. You want to be happy." where you are. And so so you're not chasing the dragons. So you're not always chasing and yes. feeling, and, the, and because the goalpost is always moving in those cases as well. So you never yeah. quite get it and you're left feeling um, really disheartened. So I think self-care for me is honoring who you are, honoring your own dreams that, you know, whatever they may be and giving that voice and
0: then putting action to it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, ladies, that is that. So, thank you again for being on. It's such an honor to have you both here and having you share your stories with us. It's just so much fun. I feel like this is my, my self care. <laughs> I get to chat with awesome people after the kids are in bed. It's wonderful. So thank you so much for sharing this space with us today and our listeners and all of your tips will be up on the show notes and all of the links to anything that we've talked about today or any offers that you have your websites, your blogs, your social media, all of it. So unless you have one last thing to add, I will say goodbye and we will sign off and say goodnight.
1: Thank you, Sabrina.
0: Yeah. Thank you, Sabrina. Thanks.
1: This was lovely. Nice to meet you, Dina.
0: Yes, nice you too. <laughs> and to all of our listeners, you know the drill. Go over and subscribe. Please leave us a rating and a review. Those really help us keep this show alive. And we are just so grateful to share the space with you. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Sabrina Greer, your host, and you've been listening to You've Got This Mama, the podcast. You can follow us at YGT Mama and join our conversation on Instagram and Facebook. To get more information on the stories we share here, our books, the blog, our community, head on over to www.ygtmama.com. You can also access the show notes. If you haven't already, please head over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your daily listen and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us so much and we value every single review. We also have a special gift for our subscribers. I would like to thank our production team and Megan Krimpotich, our producer, for making this happen. Thank you so much to all of you for giving us your ear and tune in next week. In the meantime, please, please remember, Mama, you've got this.